0: She can fly. She's
1: just hovering. It's not that impressive. God, do you have to undermine everything that I do? You are such a player hater. You're a jerk. Wow, nice insult, Hannah Montana. You got any more harsh digs? You know what? You are never a good friend. Even when we were little, you used to steal my toys and pour lemonade on my bed. And now I'm eating your boyfriend see at least i'm consistent why do you need him huh you could have anybody that you want jennifer so why chip is it just to take me off or is it because you're just really insecure i am not insecure needy god that's a joke how could i ever be insecure i was the snowflake queen yeah Two years ago, when you were socially relevant. I am still socially relevant. And when you didn't need laxatives to stay skinny. I am going to eat your soul and shit. It's
0: out, my Oh I You only murdered boys.
1: I go both ways.
0: Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad.
2: Hello, and welcome to Syndicates, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to Episode 9. This season, we are exploring the hidden gems of films, or films we probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Allie. Allie, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
2: Of course. Currently, Allie is a graphic designer here in the Chicago area. However, you probably know Allie best for her online persona, Juicebox Online, and for being one third of the gaming stream team, Daddy Killers. So, Allie, tell us more about Daddy Killers and your Twitch channel.
1: Sure. Um, I'll, I'll uh, People ask us all the time, uh, how did you guys become the Daddy Killers? And uh, I like to keep it mysterious and be like, mm, maybe it's like Lady Killer. But the real origin story is a person on Overwatch was named Daddy and they kept killing us and we vowed revenge. And that was our personal discord. And it just kind of transferred over to our stream team name. So, yeah. But uh, wow. we are a roommate stream team. The three of us, The Official means, and I Want to Believe, and Juicebox Online, which is me. And we stream almost every day of the week. Um, we have one day off, but you can find us on there after work, uh, playing together. We're in each other's stream, and we have a really fun community. And it's very small, but it's growing. And it's definitely a fun group to be a part of.
2: Nice. I would say that's a good way to like end your day after a long day at work it's like i'm gonna chill and watch some gamers do their thing
1: well it's definitely nice too because there's a lot of interaction between the viewers and the person streaming and it's we build these inside jokes and we build this rapport and so it's more like hanging out with your friends after a long day of work and that's what's so inviting and endearing about the platform
2: now do you guys um play together or is it usually like solo
1: We play, for the most part, solo because we each have our own Twitch channel. However, there are times we will play games together where we have played a couple Resident Evils together. We've played some team racing games together. So if it fits with the schedule or there's a game one of us is more looking forward to, we will do multiplayer. We are looking in the future Uh, I believe there's a way to co-op stream and have two streams running at the same time. So we're looking into that right now. But right now, um, it's mostly a solo stream for the most part, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, I mean, I've spent many times online on Twitch uh, watching uh, gamers. It's quite addicting.
1: Mm -hmm. It's the emojis. (laughs)
2: Yes, that's, and it's kind of like, it harkens back to, like, my, like, N64 days or Super Nintendo when I'm at a friend's house, and I'm just, like, having fun just watching them play the game.
1: Yeah, I'll admit, I did not understand Twitch, and I think it was maybe my age a little bit, but uh, my roommates really loved it, so I was a little confused starting it because I'm the sort of person who wants to play a game and not watch, but I I did... finally understand how they felt when my roommate streamed Mario 64 the other day. And I just remembered being little, sitting next to my dad, watching him play. And I'm like, okay, I understand why people like to do this now.
2: Oh, yeah. And that's and that title's a classic. Right? Once again, if you want to check out Allie and her streams, uh, please visit her Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash juiceboxonline. And now, today we are going to discuss an unjustly maligned horror film from 2009 by Academy Award winner Diablo Cody. For this episode's film recommendation is Jennifer's Body. Now, Allie, before we really get into the plot and the detail and the characters, what were your initial thoughts on Jennifer's Body?
1: Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, So, do you want my initial thoughts before I watch this movie or after?
2: Let's do both. Um, First, like, how many times did you actually watch this movie?
1: I have seen this movie a total of two times. And both times I've seen it were this year.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. Recently. (laughs)
1: Yes. Before I saw this movie, I did not want to. And I think this is a testament to why this movie was so poorly Not received, but how it was poorly marketed. And... I remember how oh, yeah. much drama Megan Fox was going through, not of her not of her own fault, but there was this stigma around Megan Fox when we were younger. And I think at the age that I was, when this was happening, I just, my kid brain was like, Megan Fox, bad. So I didn't watch this movie <laughs> and the trailer never incited me, you know? Right. So I... It wasn't until my roommate sat me down and she has a habit of just putting movies on and we just watch them. And when we did that, I went, Oh wow. Why did I never watch this movie before?
2: Yeah. That's really interesting because, you know, we're, we're really going to get into um, the marketing aspect of this film back in 2009. But like the first time I watched the movie was in 2009 when it came out in theaters, because like we're gonna get into later, I was the target audience for that film. Apparently, uh, eighteen years old, um, marketed
1: target target audience.
2: Yeah, straight yeah, straight <laughs> up. Like, like th- you will like this movie. So yeah, I remember going to the theater. Like, you know, this was like hot off the heels of uh, Transformers, kind of mm-hmm. a couple the years Transformers. prior.
1: Transformers,
2: Yeah. So I was like, okay, like everyone knows Megan Fox, and I was like, okay, let me check out. Like her own movie this is like her movie. So I watched it and I had some preconceived notions. And then I think it was like during the first act or like halfway through the second act. I realized like, oh, this is a really good horror movie. Like jokes on you marketers. I'm a horror fan. So this is awesome. <laughs> and I remember leaving the theater. Like I was like, wow. Like I went in thinking it was going to be like stupid. And I left like, this is amazing. This is a really mm-hmm. good horror movie. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. Before we really get into walking through the plot, a thing we like to do at Syndicate is the sixty-second elevator pitch.
0: Please stand clear of the closing door.
2: So I've been there, you've been there. We're trying to, you know, tell our friends about this awesome movie, but we don't have a lot of time to do it. So I want to simulate that right now. Allie, are you ready to summarize the whole plot of the movie without major spoilers in 60 seconds?
1: Oh gosh, I feel like I'm on a game show. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Final answer.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. So you have 60 seconds to tell me the plot of Jennifer's body. In three, two, one,
1: Oh, the plot? One, Wait, go. it's my pitch or plot? No. <laughs>
2: oh, the, okay. th- your pitch.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. I was like, oh, the plot. Oh, I was not ready. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> I'm ready now. So Jennifer's Body is a horror comedy written by Diablo Cody, as you mentioned, who also wrote Juno. So right there, you already know the script is hysterical. And so this movie really plays on gender dynamics and it reverses gender gender stereotypes in horror films. It also uses common horror tropes and it changes the narrative. For example, how they talk about horror films and sexuality. And this film also, as you mentioned, um, it stars Megan Fox, it stars Amanda Seyfried, and it also um, stars the talented and slept on Adam Brody, my man. <laughs> but the one reason why I think, and it's personal, and as we sort of discuss why people should see this movie, is I think we owe it to Megan Fox as an apology to see this movie. I did not see this movie because of preconceived notions, and she. this is one of her best works, and we... We owe it as an apology to Megan Fox and Diablo Cody, but mostly Megan Fox. I went a little over it, but yeah.
2: <laughs> no, with three seconds to spare. Like, that was amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yay.
2: <laughs> yeah, you pretty much summed it up. Like, it's kind of crazy how... Because when I saw it back in 2009, I was like, this is a really good movie, but I never really watched it ever again. And, like, now there's, like, this resurgence,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like, you know, over 10 years later. And I can't believe that people are talking about this movie and have such um high regard for it and it's not nostalgia because like like you just saw this movie like you don't have Mm -hmm. any nostalgia for it so it's like people like actually take it on its laurels and be like hey this is a really good movie and you should check it out and it has a good message too
1: Mm -hmm. definitely um, Not to go off book, but I definitely one thing that drew me to this is there's definitely a big increase in the popularity of occultism and mysticism and stuff like that. And I think that could be also a big reason why this movie is gaining or garnering popularity right now.
2: Oh, yeah. Like uh, the occult and Satanism is a huge theme in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it was... For the time, I think it was kind of not very prevalent um when Diablo Cody was growing up, it was very prevalent in the nineties, like as mm-hmm. like a cultural movement, so like now, with like everything being in a circle, like everything's cyclical with culture, mm-hmm. like it's becoming a resurgence again, so totally exactly, Megan's yeah. body itched that um desire hmm going into the plot um the movie opens up. With a girl in prison. We don't know who she is, but uh, we're getting a monologue from her. And all we know is that she's really strong, and she's a bit unhinged, (laughs) and she's placed in um, solitary. Um, What did you think about that intro?
1: It's definitely very off-putting, especially if coming from Mean Girls, Amanda's a safe read, you know? So you're used to this dumb kind of blonde role, and you just... And then, (laughs) I don't... I was sort of because I've just rewatched this from having watched it a few months prior the beginning's a little confusing especially when the marketing has pictures of Megan Fox everywhere so you sort of come mm-hmm. in with this who is this strong chick I thought this was about this other strong crazy lady right so it it, it starts you questioning which is a fun hook but it is a very jarring opening especially when it's what you've been led to believe from the trailer is like this starts in this is a high school film you're like why are we in prison <laughs>
2: <laughs> right it's not even like juvie. it's like straight up prison like orange yeah. is the new black prison penetration. Exactly that's
1: exactly what I thought of when she was in prison I'm like orange is the new black that's yeah
2: <laughs> so yeah we're introduced to Amanda Siegfried's uh character her name is Needy
1: mm-hmm.
2: and She's in prison. We don't know why. Um, All we know is something went wrong, and she has a friend, and her name is Jennifer. So we're going through not the eyes of Jennifer, even though she's the main character in the titles um, aspect, but Mm -hmm. we're using Aniti's character as a surrogate for the audience to walk into this world. And after the prison sequence, uh, it goes back in time, and we are in high school joy yes joy i love <laughs> high school and side notes on the marketing like we can get into it now um the way this film was marketed was too so like we said earlier uh, megan fox was like the big driving force of the movie and she's super popular because of her roles in the transformers movies mm-hmm. so she's like like the hot person in yes. town
1: Yes, she two thousand seven was Transformers, and then I believe two thousand nine was Transformers two when all that was happening. Mm -hmm. So they grabbed Megan Fox, um, and although this is a woman driven production team and a women woman focused cast, a male board of marketers marketed this, Mm -hmm. and I believe uh Diablo Cody said it in the recent E. Um, interview that they wanted to market this for women, and one of the marketers just emailed back the three words like "Megan Fox hot," and that's that was <laughs> their vision for the marketing. Like they eh, just total, um, what's the word? Uh,
2: misogynistic.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Like <sighs> it. Sh- it just blows my mind how the marketing team chose to go in that direction and i think it's because you know you know in hindsight looking back because of like right now like true crime and all that stuff is like very very popular and the main demographic for that type of media is women so it makes sense to market this movie towards women like it's a it's a female driven mm-hmm. movie and it has mm-hmm. to do with like women like not um like, I would say the movie really passes the, is it pronounced the, the Black Hill test?
1: Oh, yeah. I know. The Bokdel or something?
2: Yeah. Like, it really passes it because, like, you can remove all the men besides the victims that we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't change the plot of the movie. Like, not really. So, that's a good sign. But it just blows my mind that the marketers chose to go in that direction. Like, oh, like, Megan Fox, she's attractive, so let's market this towards men and i think they really missed the mark because definitely obviously they're not going to appreciate the movie
1: what's really strange to me is that this is the follow up to Juno not that like not story wise but mm-hmm. diablo cody's script yeah so how did they do so well for Juno and like obviously it's a different marketing team but how how like Juno was marketed towards you know women motherhood but how could this not translate over to her next film that that's crazy to me yeah i think
2: there was a notion that girls wouldn't like horror movies Mm -hmm. so i guess they wanted to market it towards uh young guys but the way they did it like totally didn't translate like like to prepare for this episode i watched some old trailers from yeah the movie and, like, this happened to me so many times where I'm, like, re- recommending an older movie. Like, oh, check out this movie. Let me send you the trailer. And I look for a good trailer. And they're all stupid. I'm like, this is oh. not what the movie's about. Like, at all the tone's off. Like, they kind of, like, repackage it in this weird way to appeal to the uh, the lowest common denominator. And that's what they did with uh, Jennifer's body. They made it seem like it was, uh, like, needy, as jealous of uh, Jennifer and... Like yeah, all the it's guys like, want to be with Jennifer. Of, it's like
1: Yeah, I actually watched the trailer right before we hopped onto this together. And um I just I was taking notes and they included almost every scene where Megan Fox is starting to unzip her clothing <laughs> and only a couple of the guys and of course the scene where they go where um not to get ahead of myself, but the the uh the kiss between the girls,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: allude to that. So it's definitely this like male fantasy that they're trying to bank on. So of course the movie's gonna not do well when they don't get that, you know?
2: Right. And And
1: like the the trailer makes it out makes Jennifer out to be like this like succubus or something, this like sexy lady coming (laughs) for the men, and it's not right. Not what you get.
2: Exactly. Like there is a sexual nature to it, and that's very central to the theme and to. Mm Um, Jennifer's character but it's not to be like it's not for the male gaze it's it's for it's it's a commentary on both the mythology of the succubus and also um, some larger themes that we're gonna expose upon Mm -hmm. soon but like it just blows my mind how they just took all those scenes out of context to weave a different narrative to sell it to people
1: yeah it definitely not what you get that trailer and it in retrospect watching that trailer it just kind of hurt a little it just feel it feels like it failed the movie
2: yeah i looked at the box office numbers and didn't make a lot of money no like like if i was a studio exec i'd be like whoa okay you know you win some and you lose some <laughs> like whoops mm-hmm. so but yeah let's uh let's continue on with the story so uh, after the flashback uh, uh we find uh, needy and jennifer our best friends And Jennifer is the popular girl. She's a cheerleader, while Needy is the token nerd of the high school. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this odd couple going on. Like, the driving force of the first act is um, the rock show. So they go to the rock show, and what happens at the rock show?
1: They're at the rock show, and they go because Jennifer wants to meet the band. She is very forward about her sexuality she really wants to try to get with the um i believe the guitarist adam Brody, and that's not his name in the movie but i probably <laughs> don't remember his name so he's adam Brody. <laughs> yes <laughs> but um they find out that he's looking he they how they present the scene scene is that he's looking for A girl who's kind of a flirt but is a virgin and so needy gets upset that they're talking about her best friend behind her back so she goes to yell at them and she's like yeah she's a virgin leave her alone but in turn that wants them that wants the lead singer of what are they called again
2: low shoulder
1: low shoulder thank you i was listening to through the trees their song that like for like two hours straight and all i can remember (laughs) is through the trees (laughs) But so so that makes them want to target Jennifer more. So it's this weird, see, not weird. It's this fun dynamic of cat and mouse, but there's two different objectives for the two characters involved.
2: Yeah, totally. Like they go with like two very different uh, intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, uh, Jennifer wants to hook up with the band because she really likes the guitarist, thinks he's cute while needy. Uh, pretty much is just going because uh, Jennifer's dragging her there,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: she's just, I guess, trying to make the, the, you know, a bad situation good. Like she doesn't want to be there, but she's gonna have fun.
1: And to note on that, I really enjoy the moment before this because I really enjoy how Chip is portrayed more as this. In in major movies, I feel like Chip's character would be a woman. It would be a woman being like oh, you're always out with your friends. We had a date, blah, blah, blah. And I really enjoy how Chip has all these more feminine qualities. And I think that that's one of the gender dynamics I had mentioned in my pitch. So I enjoyed mm-hmm. that part where she's like, no, gotta, Saturday's for the boys. I gotta go with Jennifer, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, like it definitely reverses the roles and um, it makes it more interesting. I think it's a hallmark of diablo cody's writing like she's a fantastic writer and it really shows in the script Mm -hmm. and uh with these characters too because like you feel like they are real people too definitely you feel like these are your friends or people that you would have gone to high school with so it kind of makes me wonder if they're based upon like her friends growing up
1: it totally could be i know she has mentioned um I don't know if I saw an interview for this movie, but I saw for Juno and Tully. She does draw from her experiences and mm-hmm. like where she is in life. So there's definitely probably influences. I would I would bet.
2: Yeah, I could totally see that, especially in the setting with uh, the dive bar and the the band coming in, because like I don't know if you knew this, but Diablo Cody grew up around the Chicago area.
1: I actually fun th- fun fact I didn't. No, until last night when I was streaming, one of my, uh, friends in chat started giving me all this Diablo Cody like lore. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) I'll keep streaming. You keep giving like this research. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So that blew my mind.
2: Yeah. She went to a high school. So we went to high schools in the Chicago suburbs that were not too far away from each other. And she went to one right in the middle of ours, our different Mm -hmm. high schools, which is mind-blowing and like in yeah, high I think school she, i
1: think her high school was a rival to mine too like that's yeah. wild
2: yeah for listeners that don't know she went to Bennett, which is a high school in the chicago suburbs mm-hmm. so um yeah it's funny because i don't know if she drew an inspiration from the chicago suburbs but like there's a few local venues in the chicago suburbs area that a lot of local bands go to they play music there and then sometimes like the bigger bands go to these venues just like in the movie uh jennifer's body like even though it takes place in minnesota where she moved from illinois to minnesota later in her life after college um i think some inspiration i would like to think uh inspired from our area our neck of the woods
1: oh i'm sure even i went to icu my freshman year and I had friends in bands, and they would play at the little bars on campus, and it was such a similar scene. So you get that. Yeah, that dive bar. I feel like it's a truly Illinois experience, how that (laughs) felt.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like I was watching, I'm like, oh, my God. It feels like a time warp. It's like, am I in high school again? (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. So, yeah, she really captured that time period um, so perfectly in that scene. So the band starts playing, and something weird happens so what exactly happens while they're playing their soon to be hit song
1: oh the stage catches fire
2: yeah somehow the stage catches fire and it's it spreads throughout the entire tavern which is like wood paneled so it's like everything's (laughs) flammable in there it's next to a bar which is flammable uh, liquor so the whole place goes up and what happens after that
1: Well, Jennifer, it could be the alcohol, it could be a state of shock from the fire, but sort of breaks down a little bit, and Mm -hmm. Needy rushes them out and says, we've got to go, we can go get food, I'm hungry, we got to go. But Jennifer really wants to go in the van with the boys, and I think this is very indicative of the time, but Needy goes home. Well, Jennifer goes in the van and leaves, but Needy goes home and calls Chip, and... I'm not sure. I don't think she calls the police, but I know in this day and age, I feel like my friend would punch those guys and grab me out of there. So I feel like that's very indicative of when this time period was.
2: Right. And like given the situation too, like this band performed at this dive bar and then the dive bar exploded and like there's people Mm -hmm. on fire in the background, like everyone's running for their lives. And like this band's like smoking a cigarette, like, hey, um yeah ignore that want to come to our creepy van
1: <laughs> is it a, was it wasn't a white van too i like really creepy. Yeah, it was it
2: was a white like stereotypical <laughs> serial killer van <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, this van is
1: totally cool like it's fine ignore. yeah <laughs>
2: and one of my favorite lines from the movie is like uh like she's being like dragged uh, like she is consenting to this drag like she's like oh i'm gonna go to their cool van like and needy's like don't do it so that's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, exchanges of the movie, because it's so ridiculous. Like, I'm going to check out their cool van.
1: <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, stranger don't. danger. Exactly. Really?
2: <laughs> so she ignores stranger danger, and she mm-hmm. quickly realizes this is a mistake. So mm-hmm. they're driving down the road, and Jennifer notices a book in the car. And what does the book say?
1: Oh my gosh! I don't remember what the book says. I just remember the like horror on Jennifer's face when she realizes the bad situation. I was staring. I, I, it was the Megan Fox effect. I was staring at Megan Fox. She's beautiful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the book, I believe it said witches or something, but it was an occultic book. Oh, uh, yeah. it had a had a giant pentagram on it. So quickly Jennifer realizes uh, something. Something's not right here, and. Um you overhear the band uh, uh muttering to themselves like is she a virgin? Are you sure she's a virgin? And Oh
1: yeah, I'm totally a virgin, she says.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm totally a virgin. I, and then she then you try uses that against them saying like, "Oh, you, like you should let me go. Like I'm a virgin. I probably don't know what I'm doing." And they're like, "No, like you're perfect for what we need right now." And so that scene I believe, fades to black or cuts to Needy. Like, we don't really know exactly yet what happened Mm -hmm. at that time. But what we do know is what happened later on that night when Jennifer reunites with Needy. So what exactly happened there?
1: So Needy's on the phone with her boyfriend, Chip. And she doesn't exactly know what to do. Jennifer has not come home yet, and she's really scared. And then she hears noises in her house, so she decides to go check it out. And she sees Jennifer just eating what she can out of the refrigerator. And she goes to talk to her. And Jennifer just vomits this black goo got bile out at Needy. And Needy is mortified. And they have this exchange where Jennifer... I believe pins Needy is this the right spot where she pins Needy to the wall, but then backs off and runs yes. away. She says, like, Are yes. you scared? and then runs away and Needy's freaked out and spends the rest of the night cleaning the floor and trying to yes. believe if this actually had happened.
2: Right, because you would think that's a nightmare. It's like my friend didn't possibly come here and act like a monster and throw up like black goo all over my mm-hmm. kitchen floor. That's a very jarring scene. It really sets the tone for the rest of the film. It's like, oh, like we we crossed the point of no return now. Like, like exactly. we're we're invested in the movie. Like, like shit's about to go down. Like, we have to see how this story unfolds. And before we continue, I do want to note that I think a central theme that's prevalent throughout the entire movie, like from the band to what Jennifer will become. I think a central theme is uh this uh sense of sexual predation. And mm-hmm. because like the band uh they had a goal or they had a yeah, they had a goal, and they're like, that's the girl we want. And they kinda like like a predator, like targeted her and was like, We're gonna use her and we're gonna, you know, do our thing. So very creepy, definitely mm-hmm. sets up the villain, sets up the tone for the whole movie.
1: Yeah, I believe Megan in her interview also said, watching it back, she realized how that scene made her feel in the moment with everything that was going on in Hollywood, how she was being objectified by men left and right. And right. she really could see those emotions she was going through in her portrayal. And I, 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 I 100% agree with, with um, what you're taking from it.
2: Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of... It's kind of interesting because I don't I know. Say
1: Jen, I meant Meg. I'm sorry. I flip them sometimes.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you you can't help but see Jennifer as uh, you know, Megan Fox or Megan Fox as Jennifer.
1: Hey, the marketing made it made it so you know. Yes,
2: yeah, definitely. And another note on that, like it's just interesting because because during the time I don't know if Diablo Cody was like privy to this knowledge, but like. This was when Hollywood was, quote, unaccountable for what they were doing, like, with the whole, like, especially now, like, time's up.
1: This was pre-Me Too. This was Mm pre-Harvey Epstein, like...
2: Harvey Weinstein.
1: Weinstein, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Harvey, this was pre-Harvey Weinstein. It was a lot of powerful men were not being held accountable for their actions.
2: Yeah, and now they are. Like, Harvey Weinstein is now in jail. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, that you mentioned by last name. Yeah, sorry. He is, uh, (laughs) even though Justice didn't get served with him, but he is dead. Hopefully, uh, the rest of the people that are in cahoots with them will also go down. But time will tell. I think their days are coming, and they know it. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, back to the movie. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, following... Uh this night with uh low shoulder and the the tavern burning down. Um the, the town is traumatized and the high school is traumatized because a lot of students were at that show when it when it burned down and a lot of them got killed. There's this air of a trauma like waving through the high school, and we get this awesome cameo that I did not expect to see it's J.K. Simmons. He is the professor for yeah. um, Needy and uh, Jennifer. I was like, what? He's in it? And to yeah, note, they, uh, the scene prior, Chris Pratt was also at the bar. Yeah. I was like, what? He's in this too? Like, th- this movie star-studded. No one's talking yeah, about it.
1: <laughs> they've got a lot of good cast members in this film.
2: Yeah, whoever did the casting for this movie, like, good job. Like, you did a great job. I know it was a woman. I forget her name, though, but
1: yeah, I know like the you said the name, I'm I'm bad with names, but he was wasn't he the father in Juno? Like they got some of the Juno actors to come back.
2: A JK Sands. No. Yeah. 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 I know him best for his role in Spider Man, uh Peter Parker's boss. <laughs> 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 or uh Cave Johnson from Portal. Portal two. <laughs> but yeah, he's a fantastic guy. So yeah, he's um trying to like, the school's reeling from uh, what happened at the, the bar, and he's, like, trying to calm everyone down, like, hey, we're gonna get through this, giving, like, this emotional speech. And Jennifer is looking a little different. She's acting a little different, too.
1: She's glowy. She looks mm-hmm. perfect. She looks... Her skin is thriving, and she is so bored with what's going on. She just wants to have fun.
2: Yeah, which is... Such a stark contrast from the night prior, where she was like super, you know, aggressive, and she looked terrible, and she was covered in blood, and we don't really know what happened to her. Uh, the the audience is led to believe like she was raped or beat up, and now the next day, like you said, she's glowing, she looks great, and she's bored with the conversation, and she's a bit despondent, and it's kind of kind of strange because she was at that event, like mm. she was. Like She knew the whole place blew up and she just doesn't care.
1: And Needy knows it's not a dream because she still has the goo under her fingernails. So she's yeah. very confused what's going on.
2: And Jennifer's just dismissing it like, mm-hmm. like girl, you need a manicure. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? So that leads to Jennifer's first victim. So after that scene, um, we are introduced to a football player and he is in the middle of the football field and he's just lamenting the death of his friend. And Jennifer seemingly pops out of nowhere and confronts, um, this jock. And yeah, what happened.
1: His, so I believe Jennifer's ex was in the fire. And so as a way to seduce and console the friend, uh, this, this, <laughs> Her victim is her ex's best friend. So yeah. in a way to console, console and seduce, I don't know if there's a weird word for that, maybe in German. She asks them, she asks him, what is it? He said, she says that her late ex boyfriend said that they always would have been a good couple, the friend yeah. and her, and seduces him into the woods where all the animals come and watch. Mm-hmm. As she devours him, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, she
2: straight up eats him. Like, so she lures him into uh, the forest that's next to the football field, and you know she's seducing him. She's uh, undressing, but then he's getting a little weird about it. Like he he's, he's like something's not right here. Like there's all these animal creatures around us, and then she shows her cards, and she uh, she transforms into this monster and then eats him, and he dies.
1: I really love about this movie, though, I love the use of the practical effects. And I know that CGI wasn't as big when it was coming out, but it was still there. But I, I really love practical effects. I think it makes... It's so much more... It feels more like art. Like, not that CGI isn't, but there's there's this warm human emotion with, with a practical effect. Yeah, that's it feels real. It. Yeah, that's what I really enjoyed about this movie. Yeah. Like, the thing
2: I love about practical effects is sometimes it doesn't look real, but it feels real. Like, you yeah. feel... Like, you can, like, touch it. Like, it feels, like, real. And mm-hmm. while CGI, quote, looks real... It doesn't feel real. Like you could tell, it's like a computer doing it.
1: Yeah, and that's I know in the behind the scenes, you could see like the fake Megan jaws and stuff. They were cool.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. And it so her she reminded me of a character in a in a movie that we reviewed on Syndicate earlier, *Fright Night* from 1985.
1: That's that uh, vampire movie, right? It's like a boardwalk. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, one of the characters, like, looked like Megan Fox, like, when she was transforming, like, with the huge mouth. And she's like, even though that movie was about vampires and not succubi, um, I still think, thematically, they could be the same. Yeah. Like, with uh, the monsters preying on uh, humans of a specific gender.
1: I mean, vampires seduce, too. Succubi seduce. Just different end goal like, who knows i'm not to judge what their angles are
2: <laughs> i guess that could be the same because jennifer no, well we'll get into it later why jennifer <laughs> is feeding upon these uh, young boys or men i should say it's such a gruesome scene and it really sets um the stakes at play it's like mm. okay we're not we're not messing around anymore like uh, Jennifer is no longer the character that we knew her as. Like, now she has transformed. And whatever happened that night, like, we now know um, she is forever changed. And now she's hunting down uh, men in this small community. Very terrifying.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's funny because my absolute favorite line in the entire movie, and I remember this. I remember loving this line back in 2009 was so while jennifer is devouring this football player jk simmons character is leaving for the day going home he's going to his car and he hears a blood-curdling screams coming from the uh the forest and his first reaction is let it all out man <laughs> like i feel your pain <laughs> like oh that's fantastic
1: <laughs> Yeah, that was a good scene. And then after a while, he's like, wait, this doesn't seem right. But yeah, it's a great scene.
2: (laughs) Right. So, yeah, he, (laughs) because the screaming becomes prolonged, he's like, something's not right. So he goes investigating. And what does he find in the forest?
1: He just finds him in pieces, doesn't he? Or does he find just a body part? I can't remember.
2: Um, He finds him all torn up. Yeah, and, like he can identify like the student, like okay, it's it's a kid that's in my school.
1: Oh, it's it's you see, like his chest is like open, right? Or is that the that's a different yeah. one? Yeah, I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself.
2: <sighs> no, no, his chest is open. I think that's her moniker for killing all these all these young men. His, she like rips their insides out, like the, the chest cavity. Yeah. So he's led to believe there's a there's a killer on the loose now. Like not only did this plays burned down and kill some students but now there's a killer on the loose Mm -hmm. this is very unnoticeable but the the movie takes place after that point one year later one year passes by and wow yeah it's very
1: notice yeah that's subtle
2: it's very subtle but yeah blink and you miss it so like uh one year passes by and by this time low shoulder uh the band that played in the tavern is Absolutely, elevated. of
1: course, I know this. Yes, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> How else would they have gotten famous right. in like a month? Okay,
2: <laughs> right. So they're elevated to superstar status following the tragedy, and uh, that song that they performed in the bar is the now, trees. yeah, through the trees <laughs> is like the theme song for the, the school and for the events, and
1: like three percent goes to the victims or something really small. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And buy it now and 1% of the proceeds go to the victims. And it's like, okay. So, <laughs> um, so there's a, I think there's a point why, uh, Diablo Cody made a notion to make it one year later because, um, so, uh, Jennifer's first victim was like soon after the event of, uh, the tavern burning down. And then one year later, um, she's looking, She's looking a little rough. Jennifer, mm. like the color's out of her skin. She has these dark circles around her eyes. She's just she's just not looking good. During this time, um this uh there's no better better way to say it. this emo kid that we're <laughs> introduced to earlier in the movie, has the hots for Jennifer. He was like, "Hey." And I love this line so much, like, "Hey, like you want to go out sometime?" Um, the Rocky horror picture show is playing.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's like, you know, I don't really like boxing movies. <laughs>
1: yes. 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 Cause she thinks it's Rocky. Yes. That's what it is.
2: <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is great. This is so great. Once again, uh, Jennifer lures the goth kid using her sexual prowess.
1: Well, it's also, I think it's remiss to, um, not talk about she, I think a little bit of this emo kid does like um, Needy. Um, I think it's kind of okay. set up that way. Yeah. And I think he's respectful that Needy has a boyfriend and who wouldn't want to go out with Jennifer? And so right. he does try to get with Jennifer. And I, there is this, with women in their adolescence, this movie is very good about picking up the, the, the weird energy, the weird toxic energy nature that can come out of adolescent friendship and it's i know for some reviewers i saw like youtube video essays a lot of younger male audiences don't or sorry younger men don't necessarily understand that where this this is a little bit where i think much more mature women who have gone through that adolescent phase understand this relationship a little better about needy and um jennifer so this scene for me feels like a little bit of a power dynamic where when Needy's like, "Well, I like him, I think he's sweet, Jennifer has has that competition to her where she's like, "Oh, needy likes her, likes him. Okay. And then chooses her victim.
2: Okay, yeah, no, you're totally right. And that's and that character uh, attribute to Jennifer reverberates. Throughout the entire movie. And that's, mm-hmm. oh, like, that's how you know Diablo Cody is such an excellent writer, is because, like, those little things, those little setups, have payoffs by the yeah, end of the movie. exactly. Like, there's so many, like, this is being set up, and now it's being paid off. And it's so satisfying as a viewer be like, ah, things just aren't there to be there. Like, there's intention with every single step in this movie. 100%.
1: I think it's a testament to her writing too that the same scene you and I with our different experiences with however we identify we we pull different information out but we still get so much valid information it's it, it's truly yes it's a script it's a movie by women for women but it's not, it's not like it's not kicking anyone out of the story i think once you have the right lens to see this film you start to understand the nuances and what's happening and and, and then anyone can enjoy it. It's just you, you come into it with, with a different perspective if that makes. Sense.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. like a chatbot maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. sense
1: whereas no, you saw totally something does. different from the scene and I, I i saw something different but we're not wrong you know like there's so there's just so many layers to this wonderful st- story she's created oh i just love it i get giddy <laughs>
2: <laughs> right and like it's brought to another level with the subtleties in the acting from amanda siegfried and uh, uh megan fox it's a great movie and i don't understand why it's so maligned like because it's so maligned is what makes it such a a hidden gem but Mm -hmm. uh following this uh back and forth jennifer convinces uh the goth kid to like hey like i don't want to go to the movie with you but you're welcome to come over uh To my place, Uh, I think I rented Aquamarine, and we can watch (laughs) the answers. Like something totally, completely different from what he was um, suggesting. And he was like, oh, okay, like desperate to, you know, just spend time with her. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll come over, of course. And so the following scene is such a perfect um, snapshot of the two different characters of Jennifer and Needy. Mm-hmm. So so what happens next, Allie?
1: Uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know we get this cut of um, the emo kid yeah. driving with the, like, juxtaposed, like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone song. So he's excited yeah. to go and, like, there's this light in his life kind of thing. And it's a really fun scene. Mm-hmm. But also we have um, a lot of people talk about the scene, but it's the scene between Chip and... Um, What is uh, the scene between Chip and Needy where they plan to have sex together and it's really clunky and funny at the beginning um, where they talk about uh, they had mentioned this in interviews where it's really funny because like they don't normally talk about getting the condoms or like she's like put it in. And that's like I think one of Diablo's (laughs) favorite lines. So like it it's very different because like in a lot of movies they were saying it just happens. But this is more about. It's really real and gives more humanity to these characters. And so they're experiencing this. So there's this this uplifting moment of like the people being together and then um, the emo kid and Jennifer get going to meet and then the scene flips where he's realizing the emo kid that this is not quite what he thought was happening and he's scared and Jennifer's starting to do her seduction. And needy's having these visions while she's having sex with um chip and chip not noticing anything is like oh she's screaming because it's so good but she's (laughs) like in terror because she's seeing visions of the the dead victims and jennifer how she saw jennifer that night at um her house where um and then we see Uh, the emo kid realizing what's going on and we see more features of jennifer with her eyes and the mouth again truly but we don't see the death but we see it behind a a screen and we see her body a little bit transformed before she goes to kill him
2: yeah so yeah like leaving that like seeing the shadows and seeing all that implied uh visual cues like we know like jennifer is no longer a girl she's uh a supernatural creature. Yes. And she has uh, needs and desires that are not what a normal human would want.
1: (laughs) Probably not. I hope not.
2: (laughs) Right. So um, another thing to note with this scene um, between uh, Needy and Chip is like since it feels so real and so clunky and awkward, it it demonstrates what true love is and like what true attraction is an emotional connection two humans can have specifically, um, two younger people. And that's so wonderfully juxtaposed with, um, uh, the emo kid and Jennifer, because like, even though the guy is so excited to be with Jennifer, he doesn't really know her. It's more of a, like a lust, um, mm-hmm. r- relationship. Like he's attracted to her, but he doesn't really know her. So I just love, the contrast between the two it's like here's like a loving couple and then here's like
1: a hookup kind of
2: yeah like a hookup like it's not particularly the the best intentions and one of them has dire consequences Mm -hmm. and the other one has um like positive consequences so super interesting and it really um showcases the characters
1: i also think it's kind of interesting um because you're talking about this loving relationship. I think also something that's important to me in relationships is communication. Uh, that's my big number one thing. And I think when this starts, they have great communication, Chip and um, Needy. like Yes, Chip gets upset sometimes with Jennifer. But it's interesting the end of their time together. Because Chip starts to not listen to her. And this is also mm-hmm. kind of foreshadowing what happens where yeah. he stops listening to Needy when she is having this this I don't know vision has this premonition that something wrong is happening and she's he's not listening to his partner and I, that carries on throughout the film I think it's very subtle too as well.
2: Yeah, like So we're getting to the part of the movie where our main character Needy knows something's wrong. And she tries to communicate it to the person that she trusts. And they obviously don't believe her. Like, Chip does not believe her. Like, any, I would say any sane human would not believe if I was like, I see blood coming out of the walls. There's something wrong with Jennifer. I think she's a demon. they would be like, oh, you're crazy. Okay. <laughs> so, but um, this is a horror movie. So, these things should be taken seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean if you if your friends are dying around you take it a little seriously. <laughs> right.
2: Oh yeah. And then another thing I want to note about so the the emo kid his name is Colin <laughs> when Jennifer is eating him the camera focuses in on Colin's hand and he's holding a rosary in his hand which then goes with the theme of uh the occultism so like I don't know if if Colin was religious or anything, but at the end, (laughs) um, he was holding on to something as a a demon was was killing him. So I thought that was very interesting, like visual storytelling going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it plays into the theme of, we, we mentioned it earlier, because Diablo Cody would have been like an adolescent in the 90s. Yeah, she would have been in high school in the 90s, and then college late 90s early 2000s and during that time was a period called satanic panic if you're familiar with that
1: yes slightly yes i i've i've heard it in podcasts because i there i mean, there are some true crime podcasts out there about mm-hmm. that craze and people being it's kind of like i don't know not exactly like the witch hunts but it was kind of like a modern day witch hunt i feel for some people
2: yeah like America was, uh, for the most part, like it was like peacetime. We didn't have an enemy to fight, so well, we have to have some kind of enemy, like whether it's real or not. Um, there's these Satanists coming; they want to influence our children and mm-hmm. this and that. Be careful! Like, oh, she's a strange woman. Don't hang out with her. She has a pentagram, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like so. Diablo Cody, like she expressed that she always wanted to make a horror movie. And, like we said earlier, like, this movie is the follow-up to Juno, and it's such a strange transition. But uh, she mentioned in interviews, like, she always wanted to make a horror movie. And I think it really shows in the writing and the whole theme of Jennifer's body how much she loves the genre. Oh, definitely. And she's tapping into this, like, this uh, satanic panic probably she grew up knowing about. So... It's a huge influence on the movie. Because, like, I don't... I didn't remember it the first time I watched it. And, like, now it's, like, sticking out like a sore thumb. I'm like, oh, like, occultism is, like, a huge thing in this movie. And that totally went over my head. I don't know if it was, like, my age. And I didn't really understand. But, like,
1: I don't huge think...
2: central theme.
1: To be fair, though, when we were growing up, the internet was was a baby. Like, it, it was getting, it was forums, it was <laughs> dial-up. And at least nowadays, we have so much more access and ways and accessibility to text and research and things like that. So, of course, if you're slightly interested in demonology, occultism, mysticism, all that, it's so much more readily available now. Where back then, it might have been just that book that, you know, um, Low Shoulder got a hold of. So it's very different. we weren't really subjected to that at our age when this movie came out,
2: yeah, like I could totally see that there's an abundance of media now like like you said earlier with um the true crime podcasts like like if you want to learn more about for example this subject the occult and demonology like you can find probably ten books fifteen articles within like five minutes it's like it's not that hard to pinpoint like information now and like back then i remember going to the library for stuff
1: Mm -hmm. and spend hours at the library
2: (laughs) yeah it's like i need research i mean
1: yeah (laughs) but now it's like there's iShare and stuff like that it's it's, information's accessible i mean libraries are still useful you can still go there but there's also a wealth of knowledge you can get through your library online i'm plugging the library for my roommate because she works there Use the library friends,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great databases like at the library that is still useful, but majority of people you know go on the old Google to get all their info, whether the that's a good thing or not, also free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so, yeah, the thing with the rosary, like I think that's for me um. A symbolism of jennifer's descent into the the thematic underworld if you will like i think other than killing the jock like her second killing is now the point of no return for her it's like now she is on the i guess she is like an agent of the devil now
1: yeah like like she realized like it wasn't this one-off thing like this is her life now for sure yeah.
2: And it took a year for her to, to realize it, I guess. So, following that scene, Jennifer appears to Needy again. But unlike the first time she met w- met up with her, um, she is not covered in blood. She's glowing again. And then what happens in Needy's room?
1: Jennifer starts seducing Needy. Yeah. And But Needy backs off. And swears for one of the first times in her life, which kinda of throws Jennifer off. <laughs> but they get into this, uh they get into a, a real fight and um Needy tells her to leave. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Jennifer jumps out the window. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and then before she jumps out the window, she does the I guess the exposition dump. So she explains... Oh,
1: yes. Yes, yes, yes. She explains what happened that night. So we know what happened that night.
2: Yeah. And it's such a great reveal because, like, you kind of know what happened, but, like, this, like, confirmed it. It's like, this is what actually happened that night. Um, Would you like to explain it?
1: Yeah. Uh, So the band Low Shoulder, they didn't necessarily want a virgin because their skeevy perverts they needed a virgin for a ritual sacrifice so they could propel their career and become famous it become a famous band at the expense of a woman
2: yes makes sense so
1: it happened yes (laughs) yes so there's this scene which is it's just so i hate to say it's so good because it's so disturbing but it's such an interesting scene where she's on the ground begging for her life, mm-hmm. and they're around her singing... I've already forgot what song... Oh, they're singing J- Jenny, 8675309, which a lot of people don't know anymore, but because of the codes, but yeah, they're singing wonder. Jenny and... Her, yeah, they say, like, oh, you have to be... Like, I feel... I don't know if they were having second thoughts about it or if she had to be not in a crazed state when she died for the ritual, and it had to be on a specific uh I think the waxing or waning moon, I can't remember. But they had all these conditions. Mm-hmm. So they had to... I think they had to get in her a specific mental state. So they're all around her singing that, Jenny, can I get your number? Before Adam Brody's character just stabs her repeatedly until she dies.
2: Yeah.
1: However, because she was not a virgin, their ritual worked sort of. Because the requirements for the sacrifice was not met, and she was not a virgin she became this demonic succubus sort of creature. This demon inhabited Mm -hmm. her body and now she wreaks havoc.
2: Yeah. Like I also don't know if it was a condition of, uh, their sacrifice, but so the town is named devil's kettle very on the nose Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's named after the waterfall. And, um, same, like, like I said earlier with like setup and payoff is like, that's like said in the beginning of the movie, and it's like, okay, I wonder if that's just world building for world building's sake, but it's not. It's because like she is being sacrificed next to that waterfall. So I wonder if that waterfall, if the band knows, if that's like a nexus between the dimensions between our world and the spiritual world and they'll win favor of the dark one if they do it there as opposed to any other spots. Like it's very interesting. It's visually stunning too, but yeah, it's it's
1: a, it's a very powerful scene and it's very interesting. I, um, I do on my own time want to see if this ritual is based on anything. Um, I, you might not know, but actually, uh, a couple of my friends and I actually do research into occultism and witchcraft. So, This, like, this scene was very interesting for me since I, I do a little of cleansing my crystals on the full moon and stuff like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I gotta gotta get that moonlight, too.
1: Yeah, it's powerful, man.
2: Cleanse the was it, rose quartz.
1: <laughs> yeah, the self-love, rose quartz. Yeah. It's powerful.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it is based upon it because knowing Diablo Cody's love for horror, so... She probably did some research onto actual um, occultism and mm-hmm. ritualistic sacrifices, so she probably went down the rabbit hole to make her her villains um, authentic.
1: Yeah, Diablo Cody, please give me your grimoire. Thank you.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that would be awesome. So, uh, speaking of demonology. Like, after she's being sacrificed and she is reborn as a a succubus, um, Needy does research on demonology. Mm -hmm. So, she hears a story after Jennifer flies out the window and disappears. She does research on demonology, and she learns about... uh, And she goes to the library
1: for it, remember? (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) She goes to the library of her high school to... (laughs) To the occult section, which uh, her boyfriend says, how many says, high
1: schools have an occult section? Right. Yeah.
2: He was like, I didn't even know we had an occult section. She's like, Yeah, we do. It's uh, very small, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> so she learns all about how to defeat them, which is a knife through the heart, um, which is very similar to the vampire mythos. So, like, mm-hmm. succubuses are—they make me wonder if they're like a female version the of cousins. a vampire. Yeah. Like,
1: well no, because incubus is the male version of a succubus.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. So
1: they're cu- they're probably cousins. It's fine. <laughs>
2: yeah. Similar uh attributes, difference, different master, probably. So yeah, she finds out how to defeat the succubus and she's explaining it's a chip, and this is the second time she explains the the severity of the situation to chip, and chip doesn't believe her.
1: Mm-hmm. I believe this is the scene where they break up, right?
2: Right. Like it's surrounding a prom. Yeah. Like a a school dance. And she, uh, it's a scene where Chip is like asking her out, like, Hey, would you go to the dance with me? And she's like, you know, the demons are here in the high school and they're trying to eat us.
1: We've got, we've got a little bit bigger problems than a school dance. But, but my mom wants pictures.
2: But my mom wants pictures, and I bought a corsage. It's $12. <laughs>
1: right. Those and, are expensive, though.
2: Right. It's and, valid. <laughs> and hearing that, um, when I saw this movie for the first time out of high school, I was like, oh, man, I feel so bad for him. He spent $12. He has to go to the dance now.
1: <laughs> that was a lot in high school. It was
2: a lot. That was like money for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, they break up. Um, Chip doesn't understand the severity of the situation. And it's actually Needy's um, advice. Like, she was like, I think we should break up for our own safety. And, of course, um, Chip doesn't take it well. Like, he's Mm -hmm. like, she just, like, this is such a lame excuse. Like, okay.
1: I think the, like, one of the next scenes is one of my favorite moments of the film I just really enjoyed when he's getting ready for the dance because he decides to go despite Nidia's warning. I love how his mom comes in and gives him the pepper spray. Yeah. Like, as a woman, I I never personally have owned pepper spray, but a lot of my friends have. Their family members have given it to them. And I just, it's more prevalent for us to carry pepper spray. So just that moment with how men are being targeted, men are you know, at night or going missing and him taking care of himself and having the pepper spray. It was just a very... It was such an interesting role reversal. I I thoroughly enjoyed that moment.
2: Yeah, it's a a great, like, character-building moment because... So he's getting ready for the prom. She gives him the pepper spray. And side notes, I carried pepper spray at that
1: time in my life. That's totally valid. Gotta protect yourself. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like, I wonder if I was influenced from that movie or if I just, like... Like, yeah, muscles, muscles can't beat pepper spray. So
1: that wow, that's like iconic. I'm gonna remember that line. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, pepper spray. <laughs>
2: it's like I'm buff. Well I have mace. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so and then his follow-up line is like so perfect too. And I remembered it to this day because it's such an iconic line for me. It's like so his mom is handing him the pepper spray. And he's like, I don't need it. Like, I've been working out on the bow flex. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> I don't even know if they make bow flexes anymore.
1: I don't think so.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that line I was like, oh he thinks he's strong. It's so so funny.
1: It's so funny too, because like he still has that baby face to that to, to till to today. Like he just I don't know. I have that baby face too, I understand, but I Maybe he could kick, he probably could kick some butt. Who knows? But Pepper Spray would have helped more. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah, let's get into the third act of the movie, which is the dance and the subsequent events leading after that. So the dance is going on. Uh, Needy is by herself. Jennifer is by herself. And Chip is by himself. But Mm -hmm. on Chip's way to the dance, he is intercepted. And who intercepts him? Jennifer. Yes.
1: Chip is walking alone because Needy's not going with him. So Jennifer, who had previously in another in a phone call to Needy, had said to her, "Chip's looking really good lately." As a right, as mean girls are wont to do. Mm-hmm. And this is she's insinuating, of course, what she's doing right here. Exactly. She goes up to. Chip as a means to seduce him. Sorry, she goes up to Chip and talks about Needy and her concern for him as a means to seduce him. Yes. And says, you know, I really care about you. Needy's going crazy, blah blah blah, and they end up kissing on the field. And so then she goes to take him somewhere more private to do her succubus thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think... How I don't quite remember how Needy realizes Chip is was coming to the dance. You might need to elaborate on that part. I just remember the cool scene after.
2: <laughs> right. Um, I think she knew he was going to be at the dance because I think everyone was going to the dance. But she didn't want to be coupled with him at the dance because that would make... Yeah, Jennifer, jealous or envious? Oh, it is envy. Mm-hmm. Like she, she wants what she can't have, or she wants what Needy has, or she's jealous of what Needy has. Something like that.
1: Oh, was it? Were they in the dance, and someone was talking about the couple making out in the quad, or something like that? And she had run out to find them. Oh. Was that what happened?
2: Yes, yeah, somebody. Go. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think someone alerted Needy that jennifer was hooking up with chip Mm -hmm. and then she was like well i have to go investigate it." so she went and she found the corsage Mm -hmm. that he was talking about earlier on the ground and we all know if you spend twelve dollars on something you're just not gonna leave that lying around oh no (laughs) so she knew something was wrong so then and needy looked up and she saw an abandoned pool hall. I don't know why that was there. I don't know why it was such an uh it was dilapidated in poor condition. Like that small town needs to allot their budget to fix up <laughs> that place. It's ridiculous. So that's
1: such a it's a cool, cool atmosphere for the for the, the final like big battle. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a great <laughs> but set also,
1: piece. But also, why is it there? I agree. <laughs>
2: it's like we need a creepy place. Abandoned pool hall. Oh, okay, we're done. So, <laughs> so Needy goes there, and she finds uh, Jennifer on top of Chip. But she's not doing what you think that they're doing.
1: Chip was pushing her off of him and said, like, this is this is not right, basically. Like, he does really care for Needy. And he he was backing off. And I'm really fuzzy on exactly, but all I know is they... Totally have this cat fight, and Jennifer levitates, and I just love the moment where Needy. She's like, she's just levitating. It's not that impressive, and uh, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she do you have to uh,
2: undermine works. everything that I do, Needy. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: and so they they. It's kind of a. It's more of Needy and. Jennifer hashing out a lot of their friendship issues that they didn't have the communication to work on maturely. Um, It's definitely, you know, so that's what a lot of this fight is. Um, And Jennifer does get uh, stabbed and has the iconic, do you have a tampon line, which is hysterical. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) um, I don't exactly remember how, but Chip does get injured and Needy tries to save him but it's too late but we get the true love speech at the end but right. and I think this moment really gives Needy the resolve that she she has to stop Jennifer she can't do this because now Jennifer has crossed the line and killed someone she really who was really important to her.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Uh Jennifer uh starts feeding upon Chip and then they get into an altercation. Uh Needy and Jennifer get into an altercation. And yeah, that's such a great scene, um, when Chip tries to stab uh Jennifer because like you would think like, okay, that's enough to kill her, but we all know Mm -hmm. uh, well, Needy knows. Like Needy tried to tell um Chip, but Chip didn't believe her that he needed to stab her through the heart.
1: Yeah, not the like, side. (laughs) Yeah. So close. Not not that close, but...
2: After requesting a tampon to stop the (laughs) blood flow, Needy does not have one, so then Jennifer flies off into the night and then we get that beautiful speech by Chip and then uh, Needy is sent or is on a is on the warpath to mm-hmm. really uh, take out Jennifer at this point. So, uh, needy goes to Jennifer's house.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And a thing that I took away, which was very interesting, which we're going to get into just a tiny bit, is like she is applying makeup to her face. So, even though she just fed upon Chip, she's already deteriorating. So, it's mm-hmm. very interesting that... Uh, the fir- Her first victim, like, she took a year before she felt the effects of needing to feed again.
1: So I didn't stop you because um, we hadn't gotten to it yet. But the first victim was actually that exchange student.
2: That's right. Um, yeah. In the
1: fire. And I just, I didn't want to get ahead of ourselves. But now that the reveal is there. So she had a, I don't know how long that switch was. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it was a couple months before her next victim. So with the next year, I wonder if there were a few more victims in between, but maybe not if how bad she was getting, because the night of the fire, obviously she was probably incoherent and has a victim. And then she feels really good with the second victim is like, oh, if this makes me feel good, she tries it again. And then maybe from that, she's like, wait, this is wrong. But then realizes with the victim a year later, I, th- I have to do this. I-, I can't live, survive any other way. And just maybe let's the demon consumer. I'm not entirely sure.
2: Yeah. Like, the way you're describing it right now, it sounds like the hallmarks of a serial killer. where they yeah. have Where they have their first victim, and then they're satisfied for a while, and then they need to kill again. And then that opens the door, they let the demon in, and mm-hmm. they really go to town if you will Mm -hmm. just like killing left and right which is what jennifer is doing at this point exactly but unlike a serial killer um she needs to do it because she needs to to eat their flesh to stay alive yeah and i I find it interesting that she is immediately like within the same night like looking like crap so it's like it's not satisfying her anymore the thrill is gone
0: just Mm -hmm. like a
2: serial killer like they're they're looking for that first thrill again and they can never get it so it's always like oh my next victim will satisfy that that urge and it never does and so they're like yeah. chasing the dragon they have the final battle between uh needy and jennifer and it's it's balls to the wall it's crazy they're levitating yeah <laughs> their special effects run amok like it's 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 fantastic
1: yeah it's a very Very powerful scene. The effects are awesome. The, the, um, like you said, level, the levitating, the slow motion when the, when it happens, the piercing of the heart and then the Mm -hmm. iconic my tit line (laughs) and then needies your heart. Yes. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very telling of Mm -hmm. the, the, the topic of objectification of women too. It's a powerful line.
2: Right. Jennifer's character is like she uses her sexuality as her weapon to
1: mm-hmm.
2: lure these people into her little trap, and like yeah, she didn't see it as her heart being stabbed, but her her flesh. Yeah, very very interesting and great writing on Diablo's part.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then another aspect of that fight, which is interesting on a thematic point. Um, She wore this pendant around her
1: neck. The best friend's pendant. When she, yes. I don't remember if it's when they're levitating, but, or if it's when she, I think it's when she's falling down and the, is it a stake is going down into her heart. The pendant falls and hits the floor, mm-hmm. signifying they're not friends anymore. I, I probably wouldn't. Yep. Y- yeah. I ate my boyfriend and <laughs> it, nope, it's over. <laughs>
2: And stabbing her into her theoretical heart, which is the friendship between these two characters. Yeah. So beautifully shot uh, by the mm-hmm. director. And
1: yeah, that's a uh, Karen Kusama, I believe.
2: Yeah, who is uh, he made many great horror movies, but I think Jennifer's body is probably his biggest movie at this point.
1: Her Karen uh, is a girl.
2: <gasps> it's a girl. Oh.
1: Okay. Yeah, she I guess she did like Anne Flux or something. I don't know her. <laughs> yeah, I, was right. ju- I was just I was just researching her before I but I didn't get too far. But yeah. So it's a very woman led uh panel.
2: Wow. Disso. I didn't know that was a girl. I thought it was just like a Japanese guy.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. I think she worked on I think she worked on okay. judo, and that's why her and uh, Diablo worked together.
2: That makes sense.
1: But don't call me on that. <laughs> I mean, you can quote me if it's right later, but... <laughs>
2: quote. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so that's the death scene for Jennifer.
1: As right as that happened, the door opens and Jennifer's mom walks in.
2: <laughs> At the worst possible moment, and she doesn't see that a demon is being slayed, but her daughter has been killed by her friend.
1: And needy rolls over, just relieved that this is over. Yeah. Um. But then now we understand how Needy got to where she is in the opening scene of the movie.
2: Right. Of her in jail. And the thing that we didn't know in the beginning, where the so the movie ended where it began. So she's in jail and she reveals to us, the audience, that she did not leave the battle unscathed.
1: She was bitten by Jennifer and yes. according to the uh No one knows the lore, but if you survive with a demon bite, you absorb a little bit of their power. Mm -hmm. So that's why Needy's kicks are crazy strong, and we see her levitating in the jail. And with her crazy kicks, being in solitary um, confinement, there's actually windows. And she kicks out with her bunny slippers and walks out of jail and um, somehow finds clothes, I'm pretty sure, and then goes uh, hitchhiking um, so she can follow her favorite band.
2: Yes. Low
1: shoulder. <laughs>
2: Low shoulder. So, yeah. And I thought that's where the movie ended. And I was like, like, okay, she has these new powers. Like, she's not a demon, but she's imbued with the power of uh, the succubus. Um, like you said, with the crazy strength. And that's how she's, like, kicking everybody around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the credits start rolling. And then there's a post credit scene where she meets up with Low Shoulder. And side note on low shoulder, it's kind of funny because they they're using the aesthetic of good Charlotte's. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like a stand-in for a good Charlotte band. So I just thought it was funny that <laughs> they're so similar. Um but yeah, so she tracks down the band, and what happens?
1: I really like how this scene is filmed. It's uh it was during the credits, I believe, and it's pictures. And we Mm -hmm. see them on tour having fun at their hotel suite drinking, partying. But then the pictures start to change to dead bodies in chairs and (laughs) on the floor and the police coming and things like that. And the final shot, we we see fans running towards the room where Low Shoulder had been staying and a um, hooded figure walking away who slowly looks at the security camera and that's um, needy.
2: It's such a great shot and it's such a satisfying ending to the movie because i was thinking of thinking about it throughout the entire i'm like so they sacrifice this girl to the devil to um become famous like are they not gonna have any repercussions for that but yeah at the very end of the movie they get what's coming to them Mm -hmm. and they get slaughtered by uh needy and it's like oh all right that's fantastic ending
1: yeah, it's definitely, I, I 100% agree with everyone. People call this a, a woman's re- revenge fantasy, and it totally is. Like, taking that power back from people who who did this to you, it's it's so much better when you view a movie this way than Megan Fox Hot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Like, and that's why I left the movie theater with the the sense of like, man, that was a really good movie is because like I went in thinking like okay this is a vehicle just to show off Megan Fox but like it's actually a well-written beautifully directed horror movie that like you said anybody can watch like it's yeah. such a such a fantastic movie.
1: Oh, I was also researching. I um I used to be a musical theater major so this kind of perked my ears but apparently I don't know if it's official but there's like a Jennifer's body musical and there's a jennifer's body comic like there's still there was still things being made like so people still did enjoy this movie and there was like five years after the fact diablo cody wanted to try to do a tv series kind of like you know the buffy effect where buffy had a really bad movie but then had a great series but I, i i think she's getting offers now which i don't know if she can do it because she's she actually wrote a musical herself um i have it written down uh what is it called Jagged Little Pill. So that was the video I saw was from December 2019. So it's either probably paused production. I don't know if it opened because of all the COVID stuff happening, but right. that was the last thing she was working on. But I don't know what this resurgent, resurgence for Jennifer Body, if that means there could be a green light for a TV show, or if now if the movie's so popular, is there a need for it? Because I was also I did also read or see that they did want to do a sequel, but you you can't really get a sequel when you know it does so poorly op- when it opens, you know.
2: Right. And I just wonder, like, what would the sequel be about? Because for all intents and purposes, like, the demon was slayed, and then you have um, a needy as this. Uh, character that fulfills her mission, which is to kill the band, so it's kind of like the story's done.
1: Definitely. So it's like, I wonder, oh! The comic, I didn't get to read it, but I I read that it's prior to what happens in the movie, and it's about all the victims, so Uh you get a little world building. So I I wonder if a, a TV show would more elaborate on something like that, and if a sequel would... I feel like you maybe there could be more in the sense of what you were saying about the the waterfall. Like, maybe this town has more to it than, mm. like, maybe, like, the Hellmouth of, like, Buffy. There's more yeah. to this area than meets the eye. And this Jennifer is not, like, an only case in this town, you know?
2: Yeah. And then Needy becomes, like, a demon slayer. And <laughs> she has, like, a team of...
1: Needy the demon slayer. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'd
2: watch it. And I would yeah. <laughs> be interested in a musical too because they made a Evil Dead musical and they also did a, a Mean Girls musical. Mm-hmm. So, it's possible. Like, and it and it could work if it's uh done correctly.
1: Yeah, there's a loty lot of um movie musicals. Uh I was watching some scenes. Um it seems like kind of a jukebox musical of what I saw, which I don't know if I was like on the right thing. So, I'll have to like send you later the the real info but what i saw was like jukebox which means it's like songs that are already made but brought into a musical so like all shook up is a jukebox musical because it's all elvis songs mm. it's not like songs created for this play or or show okay so it could be that i'm not entirely sure but i'll i'll get you that info
2: yeah. yeah i would appreciate that so we walk through the themes of the movie, we walk through the plot, and now we come to the end of the show, and what we like to do here at Syndicate is the one reason why. So to you, what would be one reason why you would recommend this movie to somebody?
1: I jumped the gun on my pitch, but my one reason why I would recommend this I'm gonna I'm gonna change what I was gonna say. Okay. I think the one reason why people should see this movie is because it blows your expectations of a horror movie out of the water. It changes the narrative on tropes you love while still paying homage to what you love. It's beautifully crafted, and it's beautifully thought out. Diablo Cody did a wonderful job, and everyone who touched the film did a wonderful job. And it definitely slept on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like... I couldn't have said it better myself. Like uh, for me, um, the one reason I would recommend this movie is because, like you said, it is a sleeper hit. Like not a lot of people talk about this movie, but it's a it's a fantastic horror movie, and it really like it it changes your expectations on what to expect from a horror movie. It uh, it pushes the genre in a good way
1: it's definitely like um a good bottle of wine or like a good scotch it just needs to sift and then it, now now we can open it and enjoy it, it what it like the the whis- the scotch or the whiskey it was great mm-hmm. but now but now it's so relevant it's so important today i feel like this movie it's so topical it's it's time to uncork it it's time to drink that scotch it's time
2: <laughs> yeah like it it really aged like a like a fine wine yeah. Or uh, like your analogy with the the scotch. like
1: I, I was going for the wine one and I totally forgot what it was. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll just go to other liquor. It's fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, like age definitely made it so much better. And that's such a great oh, yeah. thing with horror in general is like a lot of horror, like the good ones, like get better with age. And like there's like the craft element to it that ages so nicely too. It's like, ah, like you said earlier yeah. with the practical effects, it's like how do they do that? And that looks so good. And so, yeah, it's such a beautiful story. And I think it deserves at least one watch. If you, if you, yeah. if you love horror movie.
1: Yeah. I, I forgot I wrote, what did I write? Um, yeah, I was, uh, one of the in, uh, press conference conferences I watched, which I think, which is why one reason why I love this movie so much is that she has very, um, Western influences and, In those movies, the horror movies are more warm in the tones. And that was a big influence for her and the director, I believe. And like a lot of the, a lot of movies today are so cold and sterile is what they were saying. And I definitely think with, with friendship and sexuality and all these human characteristics to this movie, the warm tone just pulled it together and made it so, so tight. It just, it's like a warm, gross, gross. Gooey, sucky, by hug. It's great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it has a has a beautiful film grade, and it definitely, yeah, it looks awesome, mm-hmm. and, it, and it brings all the elements together in such a beautiful
1: way. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to correct myself. Eastern influences, sorry. Oh, so eastern influences for the, I think the colors, and then for the gray morals of the story, where a lot of the western influences are cold and black and white and i thought that was very important in her press conference about what's so different and striking about this movie yeah
2: everything's intentional Mm -hmm. like yeah i mean props to the director on that and diablo writing the story
1: it's just ah, chef's kiss
2: (laughs) yes absolutely but that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself We've been talking about Jennifer's Body by Karen Kusama and also written by Diablo Cody. Please check it out where it is available. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Allie, for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. It was so much fun.
2: You can find Allie on her gaming streams on Twitch at Juicebox Online. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicates on your favorite social media platform. That's C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. And if you have any questions about the program or even media that we recommend, please reach out at info at or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Bye.